Giants 27, Packers 22. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And the New York Giants are 4-1. and one. We never at the beginning of this season thought that this would happen, but we are 4-1. and one. You could call us the worst 4-1 and one team ever. We'll, we'll proudly put on that crown. But we are 4-1, and one, Justin. And there's a lot of good signs. Players stepped up big today. Coaching made some awesome in-game adjustments, not just game plan adjustments, but in-game adjustments. It feels good, man. And it came against the defending, you know, number one seed in the NFC and Aaron Rodgers, the two-time defending MVP. Man, Bobby Skinner, we did it. Shocked the world. Shock, shock in the London, world, baby. Nine thirty in, in the London. morning, which I kind of love that. Nine playing at nine thirty in the morning kind of rocked. Uh, well, I also love it too because. You know, it's not a primetime game. You know, we were talking before the show. Do we consider this a primetime game? But it was still on a national and international stage where now for the first time in a long time, and I really think like the first time in like this big social media era. I mean, I was still like only on Facebook and just starting to get on Instagram in 2016. I'm a little bit younger, but now, you know. This is like the modern the modern world that we're experiencing. The Giants are a fun and exciting story and not just like, oh, an underdog story. Remember the you know winning streak that we had in 2020? Oh, a little bit of an underdog story. We're good, you know, we're good against the spread, blah, blah, blah. The Giants are winners, and they just beat the number one team in the NFC last year. And you have Matt LaFleur saying in a post-game press conference, I've never done this before, but I really wanted to hear what Rodgers and LaFleur had to say. So I went and I watched their post-game pressers. You have Matt LaFleur saying that Wink Martindale and Brian Nabel outcoached him. This is so, so awesome. And I'm and we deserve this, by the way. Like, 100%, we deserve it. Let's talk about it. We can win while rebuilding. One of our commenters just reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, by the way, I'm going to poo-poo on you for a second. Poo-poo on you. You're like, oh, I don't think the Giants are going to win that many games. Meanwhile, optimist me. I predicted them to win this game. You didn't. Oh, that's true. Well, yeah, you 77 to nothing. You were you you were more right than I was with that. But uh, no, but just thinking that the, like, the Giants can do this. The Giants can win while rebuilding. And this is the correct way that good teams who turn around, they don't get worse before they get better. So Bobby Skinner, let's talk about it. Like I said, and they did it under bad circumstances, even from when week one started, but this game was won by coaching adjustments in game. And then in Daniel Jones, like Daniel Jones won this game for the New York giants. Saquon Barkley um, had a good game, but not like a carry the team game. Like he had, uh, you know, in the first month of the season and, Daniel Jones today went 21 to 27. He had six incompletions. Three of them were screen passes. One was a throwaway. 
217 yards, completed 78% uh, of his passes, 8 yards per attempt, 7 carries for 41 rushing yards. And they started out slow. Like, they started out because what the Giants do is they run the ball. They're the number one rushing team in the NFL coming into this game. And the Packers' defense was very much of a bend-don't-break, two-high-safeties, play-with-light-boxes type of defense. But the Packers went away from their identity in this game and started stacking the box. And in the first two drives of the game, you had run-run-screen, three and out. Then you had run-deep-pass to Saquon, and then screen to Saquon, three and out. And then from that point out, they started throwing the ball on first down. When they threw the ball on first down, they could turned that series into a first down eight out of eight times after with running when they did it ran on first down they started one for four and then finished seven for eight so we're able to get the running game going uh once they started making uh you know making the packers like respect that hey we can drop back and throw the ball not like you know the bears game where it was all bootleg all play action like no we're just gonna drop back and throw we're gonna throw some play action at you too but we are gonna we're gonna throw the ball Daniel Jones did that on third down. He was huge in this game. Um, you know, he went, what was it? Five for six. Uh, the first three third downs, he was 0 for three conversion wise, one for three and negative four yards, but they were all three were screen plays. You know, the first three third downs in the game they faced were all screen plays. And then they put together five straight scoring drives, went five for uh, six conversion rate, five for five, 55 yards. And then one run for three yards on was the only one they didn't convert. And most importantly, Bobby, on that final touchdown drive, the Giants' offense didn't even face third down. So, I mean, we're going to talk about third down. We're going to talk about how Daniel Jones showed grit on third down. Most importantly, and the, the best teams in the NFL, they try and avoid third down. And on that final touchdown drive that gave the Giants the lead, they didn't even face third down. That's an ass-kicking right there. Yeah, they went. They literally scored five time, five drives in a row after going the first two drives three and out. Yeah, the final uh, five drives of the game, Bobby, I don't know if you saw my tweet. Five legit offensive drives of the game, not counting the, the safety possession. What was their time of possession? I saw the second half was crazy, which was a big part of the defense, but it was, it had to be a lot because there wasn't a lot of possessions in this game. They The Giants' offense held the ball in the second half for 20 minutes. Yeah, 20 and minutes. Then the final, and then the final five drives of the game, they held it for 28 minutes and four seconds, and it resulted in 27 points. I'm not usually like... This like time of possession, the, a team needs to do that to be successful. You know I like the big plays. But the fact that they've won the last two weeks doing this, and this, I mean, you want to talk about a disciplined team. Doesn't take a lot of sacks, at least the last couple of weeks have not taken a lot of sacks, which credit credit to this offensive line this week. They did a lot more conventional drop back passing, didn't take a ton of sacks. Um, lack of holding calls, lack of drops penalties, all these things, that's when you can have these 10, 11, 12 play drives consistently when you have a disciplined team and when you have everybody that's operating on the same schedule. So I don't know how much they can sustain this, these, <laughs> the, you know, just an ins these insanely long drives, but they've done it the past couple weeks. And especially against the Packers, it worked for an entire half plus. Yeah, and in those five scoring drives, Daniel Jones went 20 of 24, so 83% of his passes, 9.6 yards per attempt. You know, and the the Saquon goes down, right? Okay, that's not good. We need to go 91 yards to score. 91 yards to score and tie the game. Like, huge possession. You know, we stopped the Packers for one possession in the second half. We need to score right here. 
Well, you need 91 yards. What did Daniel Jones do? He put he put 80 of the 91 yards on the board. 25 yards rushing, 7 of 8 passing for 55 yards. And all of this with a bloody hand, by the way, too. You know, his hand is bleeding all over the place where he's, you know, John Feliciano looks like he's having that time of month because, you know, his hand oh, is boy. so bloody. Like, just gritty performance, getting it to guys like Marcus Johnson, David Sills, you know. Like, did you yell out audibly on that uh, third and, like, that third and, like, three from the, when and they were rolling to his the right. 10? And did, or did you yell out audibly, like, David Sills, turn around? Well, Mark Sanchez yelled it on the TV. I couldn't really, you couldn't really see it, at least, you know, when I watched it, I rewatched the game twice. I didn't really see David Sills not turning around, but I just thought, you know, we're, we're talking about Jones's grit in this game. It was also a combination of, I think he, this is the most comfortable hit that he's looked as well. So he showed patience in the offense. He showed a mastery of the offense as well, where it's David Sills, a no-name wide receiver. Marcus Johnson, a no-name wide receiver. I find it to be funny that Marcus Johnson is like second on the team in receptions right now out of all the, out of all the receivers that were active for this game, which is funny, behind Darius Slayton. Um, Jones was cool, calm, collected. On that play, like, you can panic, and Jones could easily, like, tuck that ball, try and run it, try and pick up the first down with his legs, but he waited for Sills to turn around, kept cool, kept calm, kept collected, and got a first down. So it was a combination of a lot of different things from Daniel Jones this game. Toughness, grit, patience, mastery of the offense, everything. When you watch the last three games, like the, after the first two games, even though Daniel Jones' stats weren't horrible, it's like he just doesn't look comfortable. He's missing open guys. Um, he looks very uneasy in the pocket. These last three games, even with pressure, this game the pressure wasn't like abounding, but the two games before that it, it definitely was. He's just looked way more confident in the offense, so he's growing in the offense. And that's something we said after those first two games. It's like, hey, you got wins, so now start stacking up some good performances, and he has done that. Um you know, we don't need to have a big picture Daniel Jones conversation on this podcast, but like he's he's done his job the last three weeks of the season. And um, he did it. I mean, he did more than his job today. I mean, he he nearly had a perfect day. Um, I mean, I also thought the velocity on his throws, too. I don't know if you noticed that this is where the comfort thing comes with, at least in my opinion. The velocity on some of these throws too, like Richie James over the middle of the field on a third and 12. It's like I haven't seen a Daniel Jones ball fly out of his hands like that, at least in a very, very long time. So that's how awesome when you have some time in the pocket and you can set your feet yeah. um, and, and see things develop, you know, even, you know, there's, we'll talk about Darius Slayton, but there was some darts thrown to him. Mm -hmm. um, so just really happy for one, the giants, but it was good to see a game where it's like the giants won. And it was because of Daniel Jones. Like there's other, there's a lot of other players who played well, coaching did well, but so, but but good on Mike Kafka and the Giants' offense for seeing that hey, this can't be a run first down, run second down type of game. Like the Packers actually did adjust it; they have some good players yeah. on their front, unlike the Bears. Um, you know where the Bears didn't really have a lot of guys in the, on their front that can stop their run well. The Packers do, but they just choose not to with the way they played. This game, they stacked the box and they got away from it, and it left a lot of the inbreakers open, and the Giants were able to take advantage of that and you know, look like a more traditional offense than they did the first month of the season. Yeah, I, I kind of think Saquon going down when he did was kind of a blessing in disguise for this Giants offense. And this is not a knock on Saquon because he came back in the game and he had a huge, huge 41-yard catch. Um, so Saquon had 81 yards on two of his touches today. And this is from Dan Duggan. 25 yards on his other 
14 touches. Because I really think when Saquon went out, it forced the Giants out of that mindset of we can't just rely on Saquon. We can't be throwing screens on third on you know third and longs, and we need to rely on Darius Slayton, David Sills, Marcus Johnson, and also credit to those guys too. I think you know Darius Slayton more than the other two receivers, but Marcus Johnson and David Sills made their own individual plays. I know Marcus Johnson took what was a second and long, and he made it a third and manageable. And David Sills, there was like a, a, a toe-tapping play on the sideline where he made a you know a down a down and to go situation yeah, a little bit I more like, manageable. I like Marcus Johnson. He had three catches yeah. for th- like the Jones when he rolled out. He was the crosser on that. He had that catch that converted in first. That was like right after Daniel Jones' hand was all bloody. Uh and he's got some speed. Like I'm I'm on the like Marcus Johnson over David Sills train right now. Because Marcus Johnson at least has some speed and can be a threat to a defense. With uh, his athletic yeah. ability, but you mentioned Mike Kafka, and I and I want to get on that note um, for a hot sec. The Jones to Saquon Barkley play, uh, the forty-one yard pass play, was twenty-one personnel. Twenty-one. You had Matt Breed in the backfield, Saquon Barkley flanked out wide. I guess you would consider him to be in the in the slot. Marcus Johnson and Darius Slayton as the two outside wide receivers. Bobby, I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm starting to think the Giants' personnel deficiencies on offense are actually helping them because they come out with like these wild and insane formations and you just don't know what the hell they're going to do. You, you don't know what they're going to do. There's like This week, the Giants showed that they have more up their sleeve that they have not shown through the first couple weeks of the season. And I still think there's more as they roll out some more conventional plays, but also... They still ran some stuff out of the Wildcat, the Daniel Bellinger touchdown. So what do you th- what do you think about that? The fact that we have these unconventional personnel formations and such bad skill position players at times, I think it's like helping us in a weird way. Well, it helps you in that you're like you're adjusting your game plan, not in game, but like uh, going into a week of being like, okay, this is what we're gonna do against this team. Where when you have true like alpha like if you have an alpha wide receiver it's like okay this is what he does and you know this this is what this is how we're going to get to the ball to him no matter who we're t- we're playing uh, obviously you'd rather just have better players um because that's more transferable from week to week um besides you know just game planning um but no they they've they've done the best that they can I like the giants are going to be a top half of the league offense scoring wise tomorrow when all the stats yeah. compile for for all the other teams and that's and they have yeah. to be and that's why, like, Top. so last week versus the Bears, people are like, oh, we went three tight ends because we don't have any good wide receivers and the O-line sucks. That's partly true. But a big part of it was because of what the Bears do, where the Bears stack the box. So it's like, okay, we still want to run the ball. So we're going to make you stack the box, but now we're going to make you stack it with guys who aren't great playing the run. And by putting all these three tight ends, like, well, we're going to have advantages blocking where our tight ends are going to be better blockers than your corners or your, you know, one of your safeties is as uh, playing gaps correctly uh, and then leading the play. And they're aggressive, so we're going to do the play action boot off of that. That's not going to work when you're in three wide receiver sets. So it's just, I think they're very good at, and this is something I loved about Mike Kafka. I was listening to him talk about this uh, about a year ago on the Run Vass op- Option podcast. And he's like, one of his main jobs in Kansas City was to go watch the other team's film and find something, find a weakness that they can exploit and yep. like, put in place to do that. And that's something I like. Like, they're not afraid to like spam a good play. Um, they did it against Chicago. When that's there. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, they did that versus Chicago. Um, 
So, you, we, but we you talked, mentioned that they're going to be a, a top half of the league in scoring offense. I mean, and I want to check what they are in the second half. I mean, they have to be top ten, top five scoring offense in the second half. Have to be. Yeah, yeah, because they were so bad in the first half, the first few weeks of the season. What do you? Why do you think that is? Like, we're getting to a point where it's like a thing with the Giants. Why? Why do you think that is with this Giants team right now? I don't know. I I, I, I really don't know. Um, I'd like to make up something and sound smart, but I just, I don't know the answer on that. Um, I like this this game. It was because they were they wanted to, like they wanted to run the ball, and the Packers did a good job adjusting to what they want to do well. Um, but sometimes it's just bad play. Yeah. So, like the Titans game, it was just bad play. Like, guys were just playing bad. So, I want to talk about Darius Slayton, though. Six catches for 79 yards on seven targets, by the way. The one one that wasn't incomplete was Daniel Jones, like, really only bad play of the game, which would have been 20. Like, he should have had seven catches for over 100 yards in this game. This is why I was, all throughout training camp, like, I I told people, I'm going to get pretty mad if this guy's gone. Like, I'm getting mad about some of the conversation around Slayton. Luckily, they were able to work it out and make him take the pay cut. But even if he wasn't willing to take the pay cut, it would have been a bad decision to cut this guy because you don't give up on talent. And that's what Darius Slayton, he's a proven talent in the NFL. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. Is he uh, one of the better wide receivers in the NFL? Absolutely not. But he's got talent. And for a team that's devoid of talent, and we talked about having all the injury issues on the Giants wide receiver room. And guess what? Galde, out. Tony, out. Shep, out. Juan Dale out. So we talk about if two of those goes that guys go down, it's good to have Slayton. Well, guess what? We had four of them go down, and they're finally forced to play Darius Slayton, and he puts out the best receiving output of anybody this season. No wide receiver, no wide receiver, no tight end, no running back had put up better. The only one that was close was Sterling Shepard, Week One, and that was all off of one sixty-six yard pass. Um, so I think going forward, even when Kenny Galladay comes back, and even when Tony, if Tony gets back, like you've put him in that wide receiver one role. Doesn't mean he's going to be the best wide receiver on the team if Tony's back and healthy, which again, don't bank on it. But put him in that role. His speed is respected. And we saw it last week where he beat guys deep. And then this week, because that speed is respected, he's a known player in the NFL. Well, guess what? Teams don't want to get beat. They don't want to get stacked deep. So they had all these, like all of Darius Slayton's plays were in breaking routes crossers. on these crossers or slants, yep. you know, uh, you know, and then you had the one drag route on the mesh concept on third down. So I was very happy with him. He had that 39 catch on the slant where he was short and broke two ta- essentially broke two tackles on that play. Yeah. And and put it forth. So that's why you don't give up on Darius Slayton. And that's why when we had conversations earlier in the season, it's like you can talk about all the work that this guy puts in or whatever. Slayton was a better option than guys that were playing. You know, and Marcus Johnson might even be a better option than some guys that were playing er- early in the season. You know, like talent is really king at the end of the day. Uh, and it's, and Darius Slayton's not a guy who's lazy either. You know, he's not like some bad apple. Um, so I think he just should be in that. Wa- Again, do I want Darius Slayton in the wide receiver one role? No. Coming out away from 2020, it's like this is not a great role. But he also put up 750 yards that year. He also put 750 yards the year before. So I was very happy with his performance, as was everybody. And it's kind of vindication on like banging on the tables. Like, why is this guy not playing? Yeah, and we're not shocked. Like, I'm not shocked about this. Like, I, I, I kind of absolutely not. I kind of knew that 
when the Giants were going to dedicate themselves to a little bit more dropback passing and knowing the other personnel that they have at wide receiver, that Darius Slayton was going to be relied upon. And Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton have a decent connection where they do find each other. I mean, they're, you know, Daniel Jones and is Darius Slayton the only wide receiver that's left from Daniel Jones's rookie year? Yes. Right. Yeah. I think he's the only player besides Saquon left on the offense. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not shocked. And what was fun. I mean, check out Darius Slayton's next gen sprite chart too. If you, if you want to have some fun there too, usually you see Darius Slayton just kind of, everything's very vertical. Everything's very vertical down the field, deep down the field. But today it was horizontal. And it was through through those crossers, those drag routes, slants, etc. And what was fun, and I've criticized Darius Slayton about this, is that the yards after catch, if you look at his next-gen spray chart, you see a lot of green. Green means that's the yards after catch that Darius Slayton is getting after he catches the ball, which is very, very good. And Darius Slayton has usually been one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL in yards after catch. So that was a very pleasant surprise of Darius Slayton's day. And even if Kenny Galladay comes back from whatever knee injury he has, Darius Slayton should be getting... The majority of the reps over Kenny Galladay, unless they view Kenny Galladay as a better blocking wide receiver. Yeah, Slayton should play over Galladay. Um, we just needed someone behind. We need to, and I think Marcus Johnson may have gotten more snaps than David Sills in this game. Like I think the Giants are sternly, I think are realizing like this just this guy's just not an advantage for us at all when he's out there. Yeah. Uh, some to finish off on the offense. I know we talk about Saquon sporadically, but. You know, for his worst rushing output of the season to be 70 yards, well, guess what? That would have been his second best of 2021, and he did it on five and a half yards per carry, um, which is you know continues his season average. Three, the 41 yard catch that was huge, and that was coming back after injury. Like I thought he was done. He comes back after injury and two plays yeah, they later, took his helmet away. puts a puts a 41 yard pass, puts a insane juke on some poor Packers defender. And now, okay, now we're in scoring range. All we're in scoring range quickly. Um, after this week, he's second in the NFL in rushing the Nick Chubb. He's first in scrimmage yards. Um, he's again. I, I know I don't want to you know beat a dead horse with this, but like it's it's pretty awesome that Saquon's second worst output is or his worst output of the season. It would be his second best of 2021, where he got some tough yards. Then he popped the big play on the Wildcat. He had the touchdown after, uh, you know, getting out on the edge out of the Wildcat. And then obviously the 41-yard catch was his biggest play of the day. I want to give two running backs a shout-out, too. It was Matt Breida, who was like the lead blocker on that big Saquon run on the Wildcat. And then it was Gary was Brightwell. Block too. And then it was Gary Brightwell who was the lead blocker out of the Wildcat on the Saquon Barkley touchdown. So I mean that 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 formation and that you know those plays are working and they're doing different things out of it. So that's why you know usually when you see the Wildcat where it's like, well, this is an automatic. The Giants are not throwing the ball here, and one of the worst things that you can do with the National Football League. Yeah, is I kind of hate get, Wildcat, but the Giants are good at it. I mean, one of the worst things you can do in the NFL is just being predictable and a defense or an opposing team just knows what you are about to do or what you're about to run. But even though the Giants have basically said, actually, this is not true. Let's talk about that Daniel Bellinger touchdown. Even though the Giants have basically said, we are not throwing out of this formation almost every single time that they have been in the Wildcat, 
unless it's just a very conventional, we're going to try and get three, four yards here. They've done something different out of it, and it's been extremely fun. And I even love, like Matt Breida being on this team, I, I, I love. They're not using him too much, but they're also using him sparingly enough that when he is in the open field, it's like, whoa, Matt Breida's kind of fast. I want to talk about the, the Daniel Bellinger touchdown, and I want to get your, your thoughts on that and how wild and insane that play was. Well, here's my my first thought of this was, was one, like, hell yeah, we scored. My second thought was, how many times did we put Evan Ingram on a reverse and it was a <laughs> negative play, and then we get this, you know, traditional Y tight end, and he has a reverse touchdown. I don't know. Well, he's a... Uh... He's as, he's as athletic as Travis Kelsey, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, I saw our guy Mark Reynolds re- respond like RAS score coming in, uh, <laughs> coming in handy here. L Bobby. Uh, he could have he could have thrown that. Like the plan, I guess, was to well, not I guess Brian Dable said it. The plan it was. was to throw that, and then but it was covered, so he he rushed it in for a touchdown. Um, Bellinger does his job, man. Uh, you know he had the block and release catch. He had another nice catch on. I think it was third down. Third more, check down over the middle of the field. Yeah, yeah, just a traditional route, which we haven't seen much out of him. And again, he can block. And I said it. On, I said it last week. Is that's why I've I've this is why we were Caden Smith fans, and not because we're like, oh, Caden Smith is some great tight end. It's like I just value blocking so much as a tight end. Like to me, unless you are Travis Kelsey or you know. Kyle Pitts and even Kyle Pitts is having issues. Blocking is kind of a prerequisite for me now as a tight end mm-hmm. because yep. I I can't deal with the negative part of your game. The positive and the positive has to way outweigh the negative. So with Bellinger, there's the negative of his game is he's not like some athletic threat to you know kill you up the seams or or split out wide and beat you vertical. But, but it's like how many, how needed- many times are how many times are the guys that are do good at that doing that anyways? You know, you yeah. see the flash moments here and there. So that's what I I just want a traditional Y inline tight end, and that's what Bellinger has been. And he got his second the- touchdown of the year this uh this week. But the plays that he's needed to be athletic on, which was I think today, you know, on that little reverse, whatever you want to call it, and then the Carolina touchdown where he had to beat his guy to the pine line, he did it. So I mean, even that critique, at least through the first couple of weeks of the season. No, not not relevant, at least not yet. And Daniel Bellinger blocking has uh, done a really, really good job, at least on on plays that it's noticeable that he can do a good job on it because it's breaking of a big play. He's done a great job. And it, this this goes with like everybody, too. I mean, this this is what happens when you have a good team that wins multiple games. I was rewatching the game on that, you know, Saquon Barkley Wildcat run. It's like David Sills is down the field blocking well. You have offensive linemen that are down the field blocking well. Daniel Bellinger's down the field blocking well. It's just good. Th- Players are doing well when your team is doing good. And I like that, and I love that. Let's talk about the defense. But first, this episode was brought to you by... Ridge Wallet. Wow, the Ridge Wallet. Look at it. I can put my finger in it. How about that? And it doesn't hurt. But it's airtight, baby. It holds up to 12 cards plus room for cash. And if you're a guy like me, I have thousands of dollars just in my wallet at all times of cash. So I need that room for the cash. You know, when I cash my, you know, greater than $500,000 salary paycheck every other week, uh, I, I got to have, you know, at least a few thousand dollars of cash in my pocket. Anyways, you know, relax on the bragging, Bobby. There's over 30 colors and styles, including carbon uh, fiber and burnt titanium. I I like the the carbon fiber. 
The wallets have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Be a shame if you left us a review so we could get close to that. But we'll still never get close to 50,000 reviews. That's how good this thing is. It's more, it's better reviewed than Talking Giants. The durable me uh, material means each wallet comes with a lifetime warranty, baby. That's way after Justin's dead. The Ridge team is so confident that you'll like it that they'll let you test drive it for 45 days. You can send it back for a full refund if you don't love it. That's... That's too good to be true. But guess what? It is true. Check out the link in the description and use code JOMBOY for 10% off. You'll be glad you did. All right, let's talk about the defense. I know we spent a ton on on offense in this game, but the defense was pretty impressive, uh, especially in the second half. But I also Pitched think, a shutout. Yeah, pitched a shutout in the second. So the first half of this game, Aaron Rodgers is doing what he's been doing all this year. Quick, 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 quick game, quick game, quick game, getting into the run game, having semi-success in the run game. In the in the first half, on plays that had 10, uh, 10 or less air or nine or less air yards, he was 16 of 20, 88 yards, and two touchdowns. Was just taking, you know, whenever there was cushion, he's throwing the flat route, throw the flat route, throw a bubble route, throw a bubble route, just getting into the quick game. The 10 plus yard passes, two for four for 59 yards. So even when so when he did throw it past 10 yards, he converted, and you know the big one was that Randall Cobb one on on the first drive of the game. The second half, total, he went seven of fifteen for seventy five yards in a sack. On passes of ten plus yards, he went uh, four and twelve in the entire game. Twenty plus zero for six. So in the but in the second half, they forced eight of his fifteen passes to be over ten plus yards, where in the first half, twenty of twenty four were le were less than ten. So they just. They adjusted, and they adjusted without a Dory Jackson on the on the field. They had Fabian Moreau left the game uh, towards the end of the game, and Wink started playing the cornerbacks up more, which forced Aaron Rodgers to not be able to live off of that quick game. And guess what? Their receivers aren't very good, so they weren't able to separate, or you know, there was some pressure. Yep. Like it really changed the game for the Giants, but also the like you said with the offense, the Giants held the ball for twenty, you know, twenty of the thirty minutes in the second half. So that compared with you know. Yeah, you come out in the second half, you lose a Dory Jackson, like, this is going to be bad. Well, guess what? Rodgers went 7-15 of in the second half. I wanted the camera to get him sneezing. That's why I didn't say anything. Say something. Leave that in, Julian. So, Continue, uh, Bobby? No, with Wink Martindale, just started pressing, even though... We didn't have good cornerbacks. We started pressing the cornerbacks up and taking away those free-release RPOs, the little flat routes, uh, and then giving safety help over the top. Like, you got beat on a couple of plays, but overall, you were able to, you know, try and force Aaron Rodgers to push the ball downfield, which is what he has not done well this season. And again, 0 for 6 on throws at 20-plus air yards. 10-plus went 4 or 12. You know, so just good and then forcing him into that. Also, on third and fourth down, Wink went into those cover zero looks, which led to pass deflections. Um, and and so when they were the wide receivers were aligned a little wider, that's when he'd press them up. When they were aligned tight, he wouldn't press them up as much. But you'd have the outside linebackers, the edge players, would jam up that that inside wide receiver and ruin their release, and it allows the corner to play with outside leverage because the the outside linebackers jamming up the inside release. So. Just some really, like I said in the beginning of the show, like in-game adjustments. That was a huge one for the Giants. I love being on the other end of looking at a team saying, why didn't they do more of this? 
Aaron Jones got six carries in the second half. He had 13 total. A.J. Dillon got two carries in the second half. He had six total on the game. Matt LaFleur's explanation as to why they didn't run the ball towards the second half, he was like, well, you have a choice when a team is stacking the box like that, which Bobby, I mean, this is at least Matt LaFleur said that the Giants were stacking the box in the second half. So, um, you know, you, you tell me if you agree with that or disagree with that, but you, know, you have a choice when a team's stacking the box, you can either run into that box or you can try and take advantage of them not putting as many secondary players back there. They tried to take advantage of us not putting as many secondary players back there and they lost. They fucked around and they found out. Yeah. I, I don't know why they didn't get it because now at the same time, we didn't allow a rush over 11 yards in the entire game. So even though the run defense wasn't great, they stopped them from getting those big plays in it, and then all they were still down. But they were up by two scores, though. I mean, that—that's the thing in the NFL is that if you're up by if you're up by a couple scores, like run the ball, like you know that—that's at least my my mentality with it. You know? Yeah, it's it's kind of wild that they did it, um, especially when you have two good backs and you can use, like. So that's a bad excuse for Matt LaFleur because what they're running, they they go they got away from what they didn't do like some of that misdirections. Like you know how coming into this game, I was talking about how exotic their run game is. Yeah, they didn't do any of that. They didn't do any of that, which is like that's what helps you against stack boxes because now you're occupying linebackers and you're making them think. So they didn't really stress the linebackers, and their offensive line kind of had their way with Tay Crowder a little bit. Jalen Smiths looked like the better linebacker today. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know why they didn't do it, but I'm glad they didn't. And again, yeah, yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers completed less than 50% of his passes in the second half. That's really good job. And that's Wink Martindale did this without a Dory Jackson, without Aziz Ojolari, without, without Leonard Williams. Williams, you know, without Aaron Robinson, without Fabian Moreau for a drive. You know, like <laughs> our start, our corners on that last drive of the game, Nick, Mc, uh, Nick McLeod. Waiver yep. claim from the Bills after 53-man cutdown. Justin Lane, waiver claim from the Steelers after cutdown day. And then Darnay Holmes, who was getting taken care of on the sideline. Um, you know, uh, anyways. Oh. Um, How do we feel about that? We could talk about that at the end. It's just kind okay. of what, what are we doing here. It's getting, um, it's getting rubbed off. But, again, you that's like – you see that. like, And, and so that's what – like, in years past, you're like, oh, here we go. We're about to get destroyed. And it's just no. And that last drive of the game, even though they were giving up yards and it was kind of a bend, don't prank mentality, I don't know about you, and maybe this is because we're winning. I had a confidence. Like, we're going to. Like, they are going to get yards, but they are not putting this ball in the end zone. Like, I had just had a confidence in, about that. Um, and then if they did score, I was like, I hope they go for two because we'll stop them from getting two. I don't – it's just this Wink Martindale defense, I think it's – at some point, they're going to force you into some negative plays, and that third and fourth down where they ended up stopping them, third and two and fourth and two, cover zero looks. You got two deflected passes. You know, those cover zero looks, Aaron Rodgers wants to get the ball out quick, so you create free rushers, and we talked about it coming into this game. Their wide receivers aren't good. I know our corners aren't good, but we got to be able to trust them to be able to press man these guys because you're not going to win if you don't do that, and we saw that in the first half, and... We were able to get those free rushers. Rodgers had to think for just a second, and we had two batted passes to end the game and send the Giants to 4-1. and one. Pressure breaks pipes. Yeah, I don't know why Rodgers threw to the right side when they were stacking when Wink Martindale was obviously. I thought, I thought it was an obvious cover zero look um, on that fourth down, and Xavier McKinney called on my giant factor, didn't get an interception. The Giants, off, the Giants defense still doesn't have an interception, but still... I'm going to take credit on my giant factor. Who was your giant factor? 
um, Jalen Smith. Oh, all right. So we we had some good giant factors. And Danny's uh, with on. Daniel Bellinger. All right. So three for three on giant factors. Good for us. But uh, you know what's funny? You know, Rogers was talking in the postgame presser. I love that I'm bringing this up. I should well, I should do this every week. But Rogers was talking in his postgame presser about maybe I could have thrown to Randall Cobb in the slot on that final play. And they jammed him up that, with the outside linebacker. But I I. Th- Cobb was running a little bit, a little bit of a fade, or at least I don't want to call it a fade, Bobby. What is it? A cor- corner route to the end zone. Yeah, I, I got to go rewatch. I'm not, I'm not. You got, you got, you got, you got to look at the tape. Uh, I think he was running a corner route to the end, to to the back corner of the end zone. And it's funny how Rodgers in the first half attempted that same throw to Cobb, but missed him. So I do think that is a better percentage chance of what works. Man coverage, man-to-man against Darnay Holmes and Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers having a connection. I think that is definitely a lot more likely to work than Xavier McKinney getting getting his hands up on a cover zero blitz and then Rodgers tries to throw to that side where the Giants have just stacked so many defenders to that right side. But let me credit, again, credit to Wink Martindale, credit to this Giants defense for kind of getting it done and fooling Aaron Rodgers, which all throughout this week, you know, and this is credit to Research Rick too, who clipped up this you know, this part from Rogers where he was talking before the week about, you know, we're talking how meticulous Aaron Rodgers is and you're not going to fool Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to make Aaron Rodgers do anything that he doesn't want to do. Aaron Rodgers is so meticulous about everything. Well, meticulous Aaron Rodgers lost this game. Well, and I'm, I'm looking at that last play of the game now and you had like one, you, so you have, you had three wide receivers and then three corners. You had eight people lined up just in a line on the line of scrimmage, which yeah, covers your look. I don't care what quarterback you are. That's intimidating. That's intimidating, and they got to make the right decision. So he could have had the outside wide receiver on the left. I wouldn't have thrown it to Cobb, but the slanting wide receiver. Um, but when you see that, you think like, okay, they're not going to send everybody. So what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to drop out somebody to the side that there's a, a, a second wide receiver, and then so like I don't I don't hate him for that decision, but the Giants literally sent everybody like. So something that I've <laughs> talked about uh, in these podcasts is that we're not really seeing a lot of cover zero. We're seeing cover zero pre-snap looks, but they they drop guys back. Well, teams see that, and they know they're not going to send it. That's one of, I think, three times in five games where they truly ran cover zero like we are sending everybody. And they did that with Nick McLeod and Justin Lane playing corner and Donnie Holmes, who struggled. Love it. Love let's it. Talk, let's talk about Dexter Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So happy that he built off of his best game of the year, and he took off three points off the board by himself. That third and eight sack took them out of field goal range. He had five tackles, a sack, a tackle for a loss. Um, again, like I, I repeat from last where I, I'm interested to see what his QB hits and pressure numbers were for this game total. I, I, they probably won't be too super high because they Aaron Rodgers got the ball out so quick in the first half, but. The first three games, I was like, this guy's the best pass rusher on the team. Like, he's dominating right now in the run and the pass. And now the stats are coming uh, together where Dexter Lawrence is going to be a household name by the end of the year if he continues to play like this. He's not going to, you know, he's he's jumped up a level. This was kind of the jump we wanted from him in year three that we thought was a reasonable ask. Well, we're seeing it in year four for Dexter Lawrence. He had a combined five tackles, one QB hit, one sack, uh, pressures or a TBD. Until that comes out, I and thought a that sack for a loss too, and a tackle for a loss. Um, I thought that sack that he had, I thought that was like a. That's when the tide started to turn in the Giants' favor. So that that was a game-changing kind of sack where the 
Packers are driving, um, and that sacks are drive killers, and that's what Dexter Lawrence did. And also credit to uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, too, uh, who I think yes, forced Kayvon Aaron Rodgers, forced him to step up in the pocket there, and that's where Dexter Lawrence was able to get that sack and capitalize off it. Well, Kayvon's game today is is one of those examples of like why you don't just judge stuff on just sacks. Like sacks are very important, they matter, but you don't want to judge a player solely on that. Um, like he played well today. Like he should have got called yep. for holding a few times, but like you said, it forced Rodgers to not be able to escape. Like did Rodgers escape out of the pocket in this game, which he's known to do? No, like not at all. No. Like the only time he was able to make a play like outside of the structure of the offense was that play to Randall Cobb, and that was up, first drive. That was up into the pocket. Um, you know, like I'm very excited to go and like break down Kayvon's game individually and, and see what he did because he was, he was applying pressure. He had some good outside end moves and he's working his power. He's going to, ha- you know, he's still got, he's still got a ways to go, but you saw a game where it, it came together for Kayvon a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we expect the speed out of Kayvon Thibodeau, but we saw the power today. thought we really saw the power. I thought his get off. Uh, I think think he looked a lot more comfortable, you know, with that, you know, coming off that knee injury. Who knows what, you know, who knows about what he's dealing with that. But according to Seth Walder and pass rush win rate, it was a twenty five percent pass rush win rate for Kayvon Thibodeau today. Where usually I think sixteen percent is around average. Twenty five percent. You know, we'll we'll see if Kayvon can kind of keep it up week to week. But twenty five percent. That's what Aziz did versus the Bears, and Aziz played really well versus the Bears. But that's what, like, Miles Garrett does, like, every single week. 25% pass rush win rate. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau did it this week, um, and I like that for sure. 100%. Have you had the thought go through your mind that, like, you know, you sign or you draft Kayvon, you hope Aziz can grow, and you're like, man, we can have a four-man pass rush eventually. Has it hit you yet that you get Leonard Williams back, you get Aziz back, Dexter Lawrence is playing better. And it's like, man, we we may have a front four here, you know. And me and you are both on not the, like, don't just, let's not dump Leonard Williams uh, because you don't like his contract. Like, we have we might have a front four and a very young front four. Dexter Lawrence in year four, Aziz in year two, Kayvon in uh, year one, obviously. And then even Leonard Williams, I think, is only 28. Like, Leonard Williams he's not is even 30 years. yet. Yeah, he's not even thirty yet, and he plays a defense. He plays defensive tackle, and those guys play a little longer than other guys. We, I think, we really like. We might have a front four. You get a, a decent line, just a decent linebacker after this. You let Wink get one of his corners, and we may be a year away from a defense that we are just in love with. Yeah, I, I'm already kind of in love with this defense. You know, so I, at least the Giants have been blessed with good defensive coordinators through all. You know, like Patrick through Graham. this mess. <laughs> yeah, like Patrick Graham was very fun. It was a very different type of defense, but, you know, it had a bunch of turnovers. Raiders fans, I, I was wondering how Raiders people felt about Patrick Graham, by the way. Asanji, who we work with, who covers the Raiders, does all 22 stuff. He really likes Patrick Graham. Um, and then one of my best friends, I was hanging out with him. He's a Raiders fan, and he liked Patrick Graham. And he's very he's very reactive and quick to pull the trigger and say, I, I don't like this guy. He liked him. so. Um, but what's different about Wink, I feel like, this year – is You're the negative, the to but the negative plays and when they come, and especially on third down, like the fact that Wink Martindale has done such a great job, that it like blows my mind, and I'm waiting for it to bite them back in the ass. It bit him in the ass against Dallas, having them get into so many third and shorts, and then they convert them for first downs, but it just hasn't 
happen in. And if there was a quarterback where it was going to happen, I thought it was going to be Aaron Rodgers, where, you know, just getting into these third downs, third and manageables. And if you can't consistently get turnovers and if you can't consistently get sacks, which these giant, this Giants defense still for how, you know, quote unquote, you know, aggressive Wink Martindale is. And I put it in quotes because I feel like Wink Martindale hasn't even been that super ultra aggressive that he wants to be. It's has given crazy. the front of aggressiveness more than he's actually been aggressive. Right, right. It's but it it's still crazy impressive just what he is doing and what this Giants defense is doing. Um, you know, in spite of the lack of talent that they have right now. And this would not be happening with Patrick Graham. You know, maybe Patrick Graham is, you know, keep keeping team maybe Patrick Graham is helping See, the Giants. Here's the thing. I don't I don't want to do revit like Patrick Graham had the defense, the number nine defense through an entire year against you know had some really good games against some good offenses no, but that 2020 personnel was better than eh, was it better than 20 no it was not better than 2021 no blake that's really the only difference adore being there compared to that's what i'm saying i would ra- i would rather have a dory there than dalvin and i like dalvin i don't know I don't know, but, but I just still don't even think last this year, even though like the the points per game wasn't great last year, like they're playing with a whole like remember how many first halves like were amazing. It's just like they can't hold the entire like right. I don't want to do revision. Like, Patrick Graham was an awesome defensive coordinator, and I think he's on his way to being a few years from now being known as one of the best defensive yeah. coordinators in the NFL. But there is a difference, and uh, there is a difference in mentality, and, and I mean it flat out. The Giants yeah, are just doing. They're doing a much better job getting off the field. And the third, the three and outs that they forced today, too, I thought were huge. Um, I think there was a three and out that was, I know there was a fly, there was a five play drive um, after the Giants scored a touchdown in the second half. And the even pa- in yeah, the first they, half. No, it was three plays. It was three, inco- three Aaron Rodgers incompletions. Uh, and and they punted at, on their second, after the, the drive after the Dexter Lawrence sack. So, I mean, you that's know, huge. I mean, that's th- huge. I mean, the Giants offense scoring a touchdown and then you getting a three and out. That shit is huge. And then you get the ball back and you're able to put more points on the board with positive field position. That's what winning teams do. And we have not seen that. Well, the Packers were the number one third down defense in the NFL. The Giants were number two going into this game. Yeah, we didn't we, mention that at the beginning. The Giants defense was four for ten, uh, you know, stopping them. Or the the Packers were four for ten against the Giants, and the Giants were six and eleven versus the Packers. So I, I did the percentages. The Packers still hold it by like a half of a percent but they held it for like by like 8% going into this game. So we still will have the number 2 third down defense and you know we're one we're yeah. one conversion away from being the number 1 third down defense next week. Um I bet you, you know. that changes on an EPA basis though cuz I, I like looking at it from an EPA basis too. Um the Packers defense had the best passing defense on an EPA basis and I guarantee you that's going to change since Daniel Jones kind of had his way on those third and longs, you know, Richie James, Darius Slayton, Darius Slayton and such. Uh we talked about Jalen Smith Playing well. Why don't you I mean, talk about um, oh, Candlewick? Yeah. yeah, I could talk about Candlewick Diner. Before we talk about some specific players, Pacific, specific, go to the Pacific Ocean. I want to talk to you about the Candlewick Diner in East Rutherford, New Jersey. They're celebrating their 53rd year this October. They're celebrating it right now. It's located just a mile up the road from MetLife Stadium. Justin, why are you talking about this random diner in New Jersey? Because it's right by MetLife and it's a perfect spot for a pregame breakfast or postgame dinner and drinks. They got a full service bar. So guess what? If you want to celebrate a victory Monday a little early after going to the stadium or if you want to you know, commiserate with other Giants fans after a loss, they got that full service bar so you can have a drink or two. That will never happen. You- 
Never happened. We're now ne- ne- never lost. They have an in-house bakery, so if you want to celebrate with some cheesecake, very, very good cheesecake, very good cakes and desserts they have there. And they also have free delivery as well. An extensive menu from breakfast to burgers to steaks to pasta, and it's a spot that's frequently visited by Giants players. I got to text Manny and see if there's been a, you know any, any new regime players that have showed up at the Candlewick Diner. Check out the Candlewick Diner in East Rutherford, New, Jer- New Jersey for all your diner favorites. Thank you to Candlewick for being so awesome. They'll be tailgating the game, or excuse me, they'll be catering the game for the tailgate that Bobby will be up in December against the Commanders. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Uh, What were you going to say? Well, I was talking about Jalen Smith, and Jalen Smith played a really, really good game. He had some high, like highlight worthy plays too, where he's laying, you know, he's laying the, the hurt on some dudes and he's flying sideline to sideline. He just plays so fast. It's not always perfect. It's not even always good, but he just plays fast. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes the tackles are eight yards down the field, but he's still delivering the blow. Mm -hmm. I did notice he tackled Christian Watson, um, for a big hit. Christian Watson played for the Packers, war number nine. Jalen Smith also played Science. for the Packers, war number nine. Revenge game. Science. You guys Science. think the revenge games are jokes. They're real. Revenge game. Um, Jersey Jerry, the signs. Um, revenge Nick game. Williams also played well. Dude, he had like the uh, awesome pass. I can't remember what play exactly and what was he, but I just like, oh my, like, wow, what a what a pass rush there for Nick Williams. Versus, uh, you know, he's, he's from the NFC North, played for the Lions and the Bears. So he's got experience playing those cats. Yeah, even had a nice run stop too at some point. So there were a couple times where you know we're talking about missing Leonard Williams and how that absence is felt. Um, Nick Williams pressure on the QB a couple times and helping out stopping the run, especially when the Packers didn't really choose to anything, cho- didn't really choose to do anything extravagant in the running game. Nick Williams played a really cool game. This has been in my head for five minutes. Because I don't want, like, as, mu- as much as I love Wink Martindale, I don't want people to slander Patrick Graham. I mean, we were we got interceptions every single game of Patrick Graham. We haven't gotten one yet, so it's just it's just different attacks. I don't I don't think it's not a. a I guess you have you, people have their preferences, um, but I don't I don't. I still think that could be coming though. Like you know, I don't. I think that comes with personnel. I'm gonna. I, I that's what I honestly think. Yeah, I give. Listen, I give. I love Wink Martindale. I I like him more than I like Mike Kafka right now. I, I like his personality. I like the way, like he's he 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 coaches a much more fun defense. That's for damn sure. Um, and I think if you get the right personnel, I think there's, it's it can be really awesome. But also the same thing with the Patrick Graham. Like the the best defenses in the NFL the last couple of years have been more towards the Patrick Graham style. Really, yeah. Wink is. Wink, Todd Bowles, and maybe like a couple other guys, really the only people that run what what they do anymore. Um, you see so. Wink dancing with Jahad Ward in that Instagram live. I did. Can we say that Wink Martindale liked the? So okay, so the podcast is essentially over, so we could tell a story. Um, someone in the comment chats just said, "I love PG's defense, but I love winning more." Exactly. That's 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 fact True right that. there. Um, so. Wink Martindale. So we've never really had a great conversation with Giants PR before. We've had them. We've had them where they're not horrible, but we've never really had a great conversation with them before. And we've been slighted by them, I think, a couple times. You know, nothing huge, but just like, well, that's kind of annoying. So they messaged John Boy Media and be like, hey, can we get in contact with somebody about merch? And I'm like, you sons of bitches. Like, can you guys just leave us alone? Just please 
Leave us alone. I'm begging you guys to leave us alone. I told our and boss. And I thought to, they were. I thought they were going to go after the day balls of steel shirt. I thought they were going to copyright a shirt, and I was like, I was like, just leave us alone, please. And I, I was telling our boss, like, don't even respond. Like, just ignore them. And Wink, it, they they contacted because Wink Martindale liked the pressure breaks pipe shirts and wanted some. So so Wink Martindale has so that's two coaching staffs in a row that like our shirts. So two defensive coordinators wrong. One Patrick Graham changed his license plates to Shake and Bake, and then <laughs> and then this one actually likes and the, Joe Judge and Patrick Graham they their families did have the shirts, um, but now. So get your shirts. They are worn by the coaching staff. They've been worn by players in press conferences and their families. Um, yeah. So so uh, buy buy some shirts on the store. Buy some uh, shirts. Should we make a shirt about Darnay Holmes? Oh yeah. I'm not going to describe yeah. the video, but if you just saw the video, it's like ass hanging out and what's, well, the yeah, guy. What's going? It, what's going on he, there? You know, we don't need to get too like graphic he, on it. He looked like he was getting a what the Brits called a good old Robin tug. I said to not get too graphic, and you're just going all in. But uh, it's what's just like, going on in London? Who's that? Who's that NBA reporter? That's the that thing I the wanted fingers? to say is Brian Windhorst. Get with the times, Brian Windhorst. What's London, going on in London? The London experience looked like an amazing time. Yes, like I was very. I had so much FOMO this weekend, being like, "This looks like an awesome time," and I'm so Mr. Roddy Piper that we couldn't we couldn't get out there. Yeah, Mr. Roddy Piper. Um, it was awesome that Ruben. You know, whenever they do go international, and Ruben's done this a few times, uh, a few times now. Our guy Ruben Vargas, he gets like media access, and he asked a question to Dable about like Daniel Jones. So that was after the game. It was I did like a Leonardo DiCaprio moment when I was listening to the post game presser. I'm like, that's Ruben's voice. Um, so that was super super cool. Obviously, license plate guy. You know, just oh, conveniently just running into OC, running into Eli at the Eli Manning show, and you know, running into all these people in the airport. Aaron Rodgers not dapping up license plate guy at the airport. Karma. That's why you lost the game because you're not nice to Joe Rubeck. But uh, no, it was super super cool. Um, even Grump and the Cranky fan. Uh, no shout out to Vivid Seats. Never use Vivid Seats again. They screwed him over. That's why we're sponsored by SeatGeek. Um, don't use vivid seats. They got screwed out of getting tickets, but still, they had a super fun time. And then even uh, our guy Kyle Honestly, and Green that's Bay. that's their fault, though, for not using SeatGeek. Mm, that is super true. Kyle in Green Bay. He was at a Green Bay bar, lives in Green Bay, and uh, took a video of him saying, oh, why so quiet? Why are you leaving? Like, just super awesome weekend for, like, our our Giants community and, you know, Giants fans in general, especially I've for the ones it. that were in London. If we win this game, I'm talking playoffs, and I'm getting cocky. And I am... Now it's it sucks that this is the one year that the NFC East is really good, where we have the Eagles five and zero, the Cowboys four and one, and now we're four and one. But like usually it's like usually week five we're joking like we're only one game back because like first place <laughs> is two and three, and it's the exact opposite this year. But like playoffs are not are are not unrealistic. They, to be four and one, it is not unrealistic. You beat a good team in the Packers. I'm not scared of the Ravens. The Jaguars. I knew that that Jaguars hype was garbage, by the way. I knew it. That that hype is garbage. And I'm going to the game. I'm undefeated in Giants yep. games I attend. The Seahawks uh, defense is The Lions is are, terrible. are phonies. With the, the, Lions, the Patriots shut out the Lions. We figured out Jared Goff again. The Seahawks, I'm not I don't care. I'm not losing the Geno Smith. No. Like, we're we're gonna we're gonna like Mr. Brownstone said, let's win some games. Who knew? A man from North Carolina Save had a prophecy. Memorial Day weekend. He's been silly now. 
He's being silly now. He, he knows, knows he wants to be a winner more than anything. Mr. Uh, Brownstone did it. Yeah, so Bobby, it, it's crazy how the season has changed. Like the, the trajectory of the season, at least for one week, you know, it, it has changed. And this is a, you know, this is a regime-defining win, at least for right now, like I said, for this New York football Giants. It is the biggest win since easily since 2016. I, I've, I've even seen some fans say that this is the most that they've enjoyed a win you know, I, I really feel like that 2016 season was very fugazi because he had a terrible dog shit offense. Sorry, Julian, with OBJ. But really, like... Well, OBJ the game, carried that year, so you can't really... I know he carried it, but yet it was a very fugazi year because he was the only one that did anything good on the offensive side of the ball. But I've even seen some people just say that that's the most that they've like celebrated since like Super Bowl 46, which, yes, that could be stretching it a little bit. But this was the first game where I was up and I was pacing in my living room. And I can't tell you the last time that I did that. Well, even that 2016 season, we were two and three after the first five weeks of the season. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, I felt confident on that last drive of the game. Like, I was just like, we're going to get a stop. I know. I was just like, we just need one negative play and it's done. And it ended up happening. So, all right. That's an episode. Do you got anything else? No. Let's win. Show up to MetLife. If you're in the area, show up to MetLife. Go to that Raven game. It's a Wink Martindale revenge game, and I'll tell you right now. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna text my person that gave me the Wink Martindale news a little a little in advance that he was interviewing at the Giants. Um, and I kind of I low key broke that, but I didn't break it. If we're being real, I'm gonna text my my guy and be like, Hey, how's Wink feeling? How's Wink feeling about this game? Because I have a feeling Wink is pissed. Wink is pissed that the Ravens oh, yeah. let him go. He did not want to be fucking. He was basically fired. He was fired from the Ravens. He did not want to leave there unless he was going to get a head of coaching job. He wanted to stay somewhat close to the East Coast area, so he came to the Giants in a good situation. He is pissed that they let him go. Show up to the game on Sunday. Revenge be game. Be loud. Come hang out in L16. Let's win some more games. I'm a, I'm, it's like it's like when we played the Cowboys. It's like all of a sudden our offense would look good because um, Jason Garrett like put in more time and focus that week. We're going to beat the Ravens. All right. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Wednesday for a mailbag. Mailbag. We'll have the film review, O-line report, all that good stuff. We appreciate you. Let's win some games. We'll see you on Wednesday. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>